Coffee and Space is a new podcast designed to get the best and established and up-and-coming science fiction and fantasy writers in front of you, their readers. Our goal is to help you learn more about who they are as people, how they write, and how they live. Whether you're listening to this podcast at home or in your car or somewhere in between, we want to create a comfortable atmosphere where it's just us hanging out, learning about our favorite science fiction and fantasy authors. Hi everyone, this is Dan Smith. I'm a big science fiction fan and a heavy coffee drinker. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 10 of Coffee in Space. I'm joined today by Doug Engstrom, four-year U.S. Air Force veteran and author of the dystopian novel Corporate Gunslinger. Welcome, Doug, and thanks for having Coffee in Space with us today. Well, thanks for having me, Dan. I think it'll be a, a good experience. Yeah, me, me too. Uh, Doug, talk uh, to us a little today about your writing journey. As I understand it, you came about publication in somewhat of a unique way. Explain that to us. Yeah, I uh, my initial track with getting an agent uh, came through the Sun versus Snow contest, which is a uh, contest that uh, uh, a couple of uh, writers run. And uh, there I was paired with Michael Mame, who I think you've had on the podcast as yep. a uh, as my mentor, and uh, he helped me with all my intro pages, with my query letter, uh, a lot of really good help from from him and uh, as a result i uh, got noticed by danielle burby at the nelson agency and uh, was ultimately uh, offered representation uh, went through two rewrites with danielle uh, of the manuscript that uh, came that uh, you know i'd initially worked up um got well into the submission process and Danielle calls me at one point and says, well, here's the thing. We have uh, the editorial director of Harper Voyager is, uh, is interested, but he wants to talk to you about a really radical change in direction. And uh, so, you know, what do you think? And uh, my agent is a, a very wise woman. She uh, told me this on a Friday. And so I uh, spent you know, Saturday, you know, kind of feeling very frustrated, uh, you know, kind of wanting to set things on fire, uh, staying away from social media. <laughs> and yeah. uh, yeah. by uh, by that Sunday, it kind of, you know, calmed down, had a night's sleep, a couple of nights sleep here and, uh, you know, kind of talked myself into, you know, okay. And Danielle was, you know, at least, you know, take the phone call. Let's talk about it. Uh, you know, see if this is something you'd be interested in doing. And so I, had uh, had this phone call with uh, David Pomerico, and he really he he sold me on on his vision for the changes. Uh, but I think more importantly, he sold me on the idea that he really uh, really knew what he wanted and was right about where this should go. I want to interject real quick. Did you sure. feel any sense of loss in that process? Like, was it like you know killing your baby a little bit, or or did you? In doing that, did he kind of help you pretty quickly see that this was a, a betterment of your story? How did that feel? Well, I think there was, you know, that my initial reaction was, you know, at this point I had been working, you know, prior to, you know, joining up with Danielle, uh, had invested, you know, years in this and, you know, had then gone through these two very intense rewrites. And uh, it, there was just a lot of frustration over, you know, feeling like, you know, man, we're right up to the goal line here and we can't quite get across it. But, you know, one of the things that the ways I kind of looked at this eventually was I said, you know, okay, 
take the ego out of it. Suppose that, you know, this was just something that you were, you know, hearing about on Twitter. You know, on the one hand, you know, we have this uh, new writer, you know, has never published a, a, a novel. And on the other hand, you know, we have a person who is the, you know, editorial director of a major SFF imprint. You know, who is more likely to be right? Yeah, sure, <laughs> you know? sure. And once you start looking at it that way, it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that and, makes sense. You know, over the course of the drafting process, uh, I really got to where I could see that, you know, yeah, you know, he was, you know, the, the things that were bothering him, the things he felt needed to be changed were just, you know, spot on. And uh, he had suggested a new structure that I had you know, never contemplated before, wherein there is a uh, frame story that begins the book and is the story of uh, my main character's uh, last gunfight. And then interspersed with that are flashback sections, you know, that are kind of the story of how she got here. And that was a, uh, a really challenging structure that I had not thought of, but uh, I think it came out really well. And I'm very, I'm very happy with the book. I also had a uh, comment from a uh, writer friend who was one of my beta readers. And she saw the, I think the, uh, the copy of the manuscript, essentially what I sent to Danielle, it was just, you know, some of her input went in there. And then she also recently read a, uh, an advanced review copy. And her comment to me was, she said, you know, I really, I, I liked you know, that last beta thing that I read, but reading this, what's going out because it's, it's like meeting somebody you knew in middle school you know I mean? yeah. <laughs> and you kind of liked them and now they're all grown up and you just go yeah. wow uh so, so that's that got to give a sense of confidence to you going into this thing yeah yeah i really uh you know i'm, I'm not going to tell you that uh no right away i was completely uh sold on the enhancement but you know having gone through the process i'm really really happy with what came out of it and i'm really really happy that uh you know that i accepted that and and made those changes because i think it is a dramatically better book than the one that i started with you know you mentioned something that i think is uh it's something i have struggled with as an aspiring writer is is the idea of looking at something with a humble point of view um to know that the other person may be the expert in the room, even though I may be the expert on my actual writing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm glad you've brought that out that, uh, that you could kind of step away, reduce the ego for a little bit and, uh, and see that there's a better product on the horizon. Um, speaking of the better product on the horizon, just tell us a little bit about corporate gunslinger. What's it about? What's your synopsis, if you will? Well, what we've got here is it's a uh, near-future science fiction story. And uh, in this future timeline, people who have been shut out of the court system and have lost a case in arbitration have as kind of their last resort trial by combat. You can actually uh, go to kind of a uh, facility that is set up for that. They have some uh, high-tech innovations where you know, you and uh, your opponent go, you know, step off 10 paces each and take a shot at each other. And people, you know, kind of the little wrinkle here, people have to represent themselves on, uh, on that. But a corporation is represented by an employee who 
no surprise, is hired for that purpose, highly trained, and is a uh, professional gunfighter. And the story is the story of one of those professional gunfighters. And she's gotten into it um, because she's literally mortgaged her life to fund an education, and that education is not paying off financially. And uh, so it's kind of how she gets into that and what she does you know, over the course of that career trying to get out. And so it's then also, it's a, you know, at a more fundamental level, it's a story about greed, it's about death, and uh, it's about stories you have to tell yourself to get through the day, you know, whatever your day is consisting of. That's fascinating. I, uh, you know, wasn't, wasn't blessed enough to get the full arc, although I read the, or listened to the first chapter, um, and I've read your synopsis, and I'm very interested in the book, and I can't wait to get a hold of it. Um, what was the inspiration behind it? Well, it actually started uh, at one point in, oh, long about uh, 2012, 2013, somewhere in there. Um, I had an idea for a series of vignettes. If you've uh, ever seen Studs Terkel's book, Working, where uh, it's kind of an oral history where he's gone out and he's talked to a whole bunch of people about their jobs and, you know, what, you know, how did they get into it? What are they like? What are they not like? What do they see as changing? You know, all these kinds of things. But the kind of science fictional spin, you know, that I put on those uh, vignettes is that it takes place in the middle of the 21st century. So it's looking ahead to, you know, like the 2040s, 2050s, you know, somewhere in there. Um, and it's asking people about, and it's focused on jobs that, you know, have arisen since, since uh, the, the year 2000 or that have changed dramatically. So I've got, you know, I had these little interviews with uh, AI wranglers and, religious experience mixers, medical liability traders. And one of the jobs that I just kind of thought about was a professional gunfighter. And thinking about, you know, how would, you know, how would, if the institution of dueling, you know, were to come back from the uh, 18th century into the 21st, what would it look like? And what would, uh, you know, who would be doing it, you know, and this, and what purpose would it serve and this kind of thing. And my first take, was that, you know, you think about professional gunfighters, you know, this Western image, a very, you know, grizzled kind of older guy, you know, uh, type of thing. And Sean Coyne, who's a guy that uh, uh, wrote the story grid and who I, I look to for a lot of guidance and structure and things. He says that, you know, your first idea is always going to be bad. And it's, your first idea is always going to be derivative because if you've you know grown up in, the most of the developed world, you have lived in a media saturated environment practically from birth. And so your first idea is because your brain is lazy, you know, <laughs> is going to say, oh, you know, here's something common and familiar from that environment. And because it is common and familiar from that environment, it's probably not a good idea. And so went through that process of saying, okay, say it's not that, say it's somebody else who, you know, finally got to the point of, okay, what is the most unlikely character that you would immediately associate with being a gunfighter. And I wound up with a young woman with a graduate education, MFA in acting, who really approaches gunfighting as kind of a performance. And uh, so that was kind of the character that sat for that interview and uh, ultimately became the main character of Corporate Gunslinger. That's really fascinating. I, I'm a, I like Westerns, you know, Tombstone's one of my favorite movies ever. And, uh, um, and I've done a little dabbling in that writing as well. And I've got some friends that, you know, writer friends that have. And, uh, and so to try and like kind of juxtapose that onto a futuristic 
society with the same elements of greed that at least in our country we've had probably since the country started. Um, I think it's really fascinating and it's one of the reasons why I'm looking forward to it. It's one of the reasons why I was glad you, uh, you and Michael reached out to me about this interview. Let's talk about your former life as an Air Force officer, reaching back back into the prior years. We won't say how many of them necessarily, but, um, but your time as an Air Force officer, uh, as you know, I think, I think I've told you, or Michael may have mentioned it, that uh, you know, this podcast sprung out of the Military Fans of Science Fiction and Fantasy Facebook group. Uh, quick plug there. But um, you know, so this works great for us. But did anything in your time, uh, several years ago as it is, prepare you to be a writer today? I know you talked about a base newspaper. Did any of that play a role now? How would you categorize that? Well, I mean, anytime you're doing a lot of writing, you know, you're getting ready to write more. I mean, that's just uh, kind of how it is. One of the experiences that I had that was really, uh, I, I think, ended up being valuable in fiction was that I ghost wrote for a number of wing commanders. You know, they had editorials, they had speeches, if they had, you know, whatever. And uh, that was a really good exercise in that you learn to, you know, write from somebody else's point of view, which is kind of what you're doing in fiction you know you're you're kind of adopting that character point of view rather than necessarily strictly your own and so you kind of learn about different styles and different tics and different you know rhythms that different people are comfortable with I also had all my gun handling experience was uh with the air force and I uh also you know it's it's an opportunity to meet people from a lot of different backgrounds you know I grew up primarily in small towns in Iowa, uh, went to college at Iowa State University, which is Iowa's land-grant university. And, you know, that was certainly a widening of, uh, of that experience, of my experience. But, you know, you get in the Air Force, and now, you know, we deal with people all over the country, people that have been all over the world, people with, you know, lots of different um, backgrounds. And that was a real broadening and... Uh, you know, I think one of those things that finds its way into the book a little bit, although I don't, I, I would not say that I base characters on people, you know, that I have known, but certainly traits of people that I have known and uh, do certainly find their way in because you've, you know, seen how that you know, trait kind of expressed in somebody else's experience. And one of my principal characters is the main character's trainer, her second, who is an ex-Marine. And she has that kind of combination of real mama bear, you know, kind of protectiveness toward her clients that I definitely saw in a lot of the senior sergeants that I worked with, but also willingness to be very hard on them and understanding the necessity of, of being uh, very hard on them in sometimes just because that's, you know, you know, they're engaging in high stakes stuff and uh, they're going to need, you know, they're going to need to really know what they know. Uh, there's one point in the book where Kara has made some errors that are potentially very serious. And uh, so her trainer just runs her through the, runs her through the ringer. And, uh, you know, we have these shock suits they use for trading and she just gets, you know, pummeled. And uh, at the end of it, you know, Diana says to Kira, who's the main character, what's your, what's the lesson? And Kira says, you know, I knew that when I started. And uh, Diana says, uh, it's not what you know that keeps you alive, baby girl. 
it's what you can remember at the right time. And that's, and that's uh, good. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be good for me to remember sometimes. That's <laughs> really good stuff. Okay, so let's shift just a little bit away from the story for a moment to talk about who your writing influences are. Uh, other authors, books, uh, how, how does all that play into your writing? Oh, I think, uh, you know, definitely books that influenced, uh, you know, my writing and really influenced the way of, that I think about lots of things. Uh, David Graeber's Debt, The First 5,000 Years, uh, when I read that, that just completely upended a lot of my thinking about society and economics and, you know, how debt works, how, you know, what really constitutes coercion, you know, what is the attitude of people who are, uh, who are in debt. That was a, that was a huge influence on just, like I said, the way I think about big political issues. Um kind of at the micro level, thinking about characters. Uh, Mistakes were made, but not by me, by Carol Tavris and Elliot Aronson. Um, that's very much about the need to have stories that justify your behavior and how people do that. You know, how that whole process works internally that, uh, you know, gets people to places that you think, you know, how, how could people participate in some of the things that people participate in and and they talk a lot about you know kind of the mechanics of that process and then finally uh thinking fast and slow uh, by daniel kahneman is all about cognitive errors and uh, there's you know cognitive errors make good fiction <laughs> that's true that's true okay that's really good for the listeners i will link to at least as many of those as i can get good links to uh in the show notes so you can take a look at uh, how that's influenced Doug and how that might influence writing for you in the future or just your life in general. Doug, as you know, I ask guest authors to read a little from one of their book, well, from their books. Uh, what do you have for us today? Well, I think what I'm going to read for you is the uh, first chapter of Corporate Gunslinger. All right. That's great. Fire away. In front of her, a door that leads to the dueling field. Behind her, and exit. Between them, Kira Clark weighs the prospect of killing and the possibility of dying against a certainty of life and servitude. The changing room clock gives her 11 minutes and 42 seconds to make her decision. She could take the exit and forfeit the match. Walking away before a duel starts is a highly informal way for a professional gunfighter to resign, but she wouldn't be the first. It would feel pretty good for about a month, maybe two, but then her money would run out, her creditors would foreclose, and she would become their property, theirs to do with as they pleased for the rest of their life. The only real way out is forward, through the scanner and onto the dueling field to face Niles LeBlanc. Make that Niles fucking LeBlanc, professional gunfighter, high caliber asshole, and poor dead Chloe's contemptible ex-boyfriend. Kira brings her cold focus to bear on all the reasons he deserves to end the match with a bullet in his heart. Right on schedule, fear breaks her chilly concentration. Arriving as an awareness of her body's vulnerability that is so acute it sparks a deep ache in her chest. She wraps her torso in a self-hug and breathes 
timing her inhalation by count and forcing the exhale to last twice as long. True to the promise of her first acting instructor, her muscles relax, her heart rate slows, and her mind goes blank. The terror flows through her, past her, around her, and then it is gone. The anxiety used to spook her, feeding a fear that she was too weak for the job. 29 gunfights after her first match, it's simply part of her changing room routine like pulling on the dueling tunic with the TKC insurance logo stitched on each shoulder, slipping her feet into the glove soft boots, or attaching her ID chip to the box, holding her personal effects. She unwinds her arms and focuses on how Niles will see her, closing her eyes to shut out the changing room's office bland decor and bought by the pound corporate artwork. She will enter the field as a deadly apparition, wearing the company colors of forest green and slate gray, her blonde hair clipped into the helmet-like shape of the gunfighter's cut, and her eyes like two chips of stamped steel. She drives every hint of softness or compassion from her face, tightens her abdominal muscles, and straightens her spine. Then the words, spoken only for herself. I am death. I am terror. I am blood. She gives herself over to Death's Angel, her role for the duration of the duel. Playing her longest running and most popular character, she will step onto her greatest stage to give her largest audience a life or death performance. She speaks the final words of her personal incantation. Showtime. That was really good. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to get a hold of that. Um, that was... Uh, if I if anyone's not in her head right now, <laughs> knowing what she's going through, uh, they need to rewind the podcast a little bit, listen to that again, and they're going to be there. That was just fantastic. Thanks, Doug. You're um, welcome. It was really good. Okay, um, what's next? Like, uh, is there? I I haven't read the end, of course. Uh, we wouldn't want to give it away anyway. But is there another in this line? Have you started a new project? What's what's happening? Uh, in, in all honesty, what's next depends on what happens with this book. Uh, you know, how the, uh, it was a, uh, it was a, uh, one book deal and, uh, I have, uh, proposals out for a couple of other, uh, uh, you know, a couple of other possible novels that, you know, are, are. Uh, not written, but, you know, outlined, being worked on. I'm working on another proposal. Uh, let's see, of the proposals, one is in the same universe and has the continu a continuing character from uh, from Corporate Gunslinger. Another is a completely different, I've been calling it my Adam Punk alternate history of a uh, different, very different 1990s <laughs> ah. from the one we experienced. Cool. We're wrapping up on time here, uh, and thank you for your time. In the final few minutes we have, tell us how we can find out more about you and your work. Okay. Uh, I hang out on Twitter probably as much as I'm at, uh, I'm on any social media, and that's angstrom underscore Doug, so E-N-G-S-T-R-O-M underscore D-O-U-G. Uh, same handle on Instagram, though I'm uh, not as active there. Uh, Facebook is just Doug Engstrom, um, and, uh, have a website, uh, Doug Engstrom, all one word this time.com. Uh, 
uh, which is should be up by the time this airs. It's not up right at the moment. Great. We'll link to all those uh, and um, make sure that that word gets out. Well, Doug, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate getting to know you and uh, I feel like we've gotten to know a little bit about each other through email, but this, of course, always uh, makes it a little bit better. And uh, thanks for giving us a little snippet of your work today. Thank you all for listening to this podcast. Take a look at Doug's upcoming release, Corporate Gunslinger, wherever you buy your books, and be sure to subscribe to Coffee and Space Podcast. I'm Dan Smith, and I can't wait until we meet again over a cup of coffee in space. Thank you.